Welcome to 412 Sports Talk, the number one podcast for Pittsburgh sports. Steelers, we talk it. Penguins, we talk it. Pirates, yeah, we talk it. With the biggest guests, Bob Pompiani, Pittsburgh legend. Mayor Bill Peduto, the mayor of the city of Pittsburgh, is on with us. Doran Dickerson, West Allegheny legend. Trey Essex, welcome. Available on iTunes and Spotify. Hosted by Mad Chad Nolan. Too much. Well, now he's not turning it over at all. And Eddie Provident. We've got the best team in football. And now, 412 Sports Talk. All right, well, welcome to the latest episode of the 412 Sports Talk podcast brought to you by MCM Studios. I'm your host, Eddie Provident. With me is my co-host and my main man, Mad Chad Nolan. You can see this is actually the first episode, well, second episode, because we had the Mike Kidd episode. Uh, But this is the first episode, just the two of us, live in person. So uh, we've got Doran Dickerson joining us over Zoom in a little bit, and uh, we've got a lot going on. Uh, This is the segment for all of you uh, loyal viewers and listeners that aren't hip to the DKPittsburghSports.com. This will not be on DKPittsburghSports.com, but the rest of the show will. Um, I guess we need to just jump right into it, Chad. We've got uh, some Steelers news to deal with, and we'll talk to Doran about this too, get his take, uh, since he is a former NFL player. But no more Dave DeCastro. Uh, He's been let go by the Steelers. He's been released due to a non-football injury. Uh, What's your thoughts, buddy? I mean, it's... It's pretty terrible timing. Now you can see why they were interested in uh, Trey Turner because that that stuff started to get uh, noise before this news hit. So I'm thinking that they kind of already knew about it, and that's why they were already talking to Trey Turner. Um, It doesn't surprise me because I, you know, DeCastro obviously played hurt last year. I remember Dejon saying that he, uh, you know, he was having some health issues, and we all saw it. He wasn't himself last year. He he was an all-pro caliber player. He was the best guard they've had since Alan Fanica now you know so it's tough injuries are are the thing that like you you know I'm, I'm big into like looking at teams and what they're gonna do and like you you never like go oh well he's gonna get injured and never play again because like I don't think that they thought that either it's tough you lose Pouncey to retirement and now DeCastro to injury and it sounds like from what I was looking on Twitter that he's probably gonna retire yeah. Um, so that's crazy to lose both those guys in the same offseason. Um, and but I do wonder if they would have been able to 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 know like, hey, he's not going to be on our plans. I wonder if that draft would have went a little different. Maybe they don't take uh, uh, the tight end in the second round. And right. Maybe they go O line O line a little earlier. Um, but Trey Turner, I mean, he's a Pro Bowl caliber guard. So I don't know if he's going to be a drop off compared to what DeCastro brought last year. It just, it, it kind of just sucks. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, especially because we're, we're looking at a guy, I, I don't know that I would consider Pound, or um, DeCastro a hall of famer, but he, he needed was, a couple more, yeah, pro, he needed Bowls a couple more pro Bowls, but he was one of those guys that was, I would say he was one of the top five to 10 guards in the league for, dude, for a I few think years. from I mean, like, like fifth, 14 to yeah, 17, he, was, he went to three. He was, yeah, like a he, he was one of the guys, yeah, man. So, so. Uh, whenever you see a, a career like that, presumably end, um, like I said, we're not a hundred percent certain on that. He hasn't announced anything yet. So we don't want to go ahead and jump to conclusions, but you know, if it's a non-football injury, if it's something that sidelined, I believe it's his ankle. If it's sidelined him this long, uh, if, if it's bothered him this bad much, um, you know, 
here's hoping that he is able to, to pick it back up, and whether it's with you know a restructured contract with the Steelers or somebody else. Never want to see anybody end their career like that. Um, but, yeah, man, it's, it's tough to see that. It's tough for the uh, Steelers' offensive line. Now, if they get Trey Turner, that really makes things a little easier to yeah. swallow. Um, but let's assume for a second that they, they don't get Trey Turner. Uh, let's assume that they're going to go uh, – now is all of a sudden, is, is B.J. Finney your, your – starting guard or is, I mean I think you would gonna, have to be by yeah. default uh they that's I, mean, I I think they'll get Trey Turner I mean I hope so I mean yeah he's been they kind of have yeah. to at this point um but we're gonna talk to Doran about this it's like man that offensive line all of a sudden uh holy hell that's pretty that's a pretty young young and like raw offensive line because Dotson who I think has like a Pro Bowl caliber mm-hmm. ability he's still gonna be a first year starter right Chooks is moving to a new position. Zach Banner is unproven. You just drafted a, a center. Marks, yeah. You have, you're talking about four of your five offensive line are going to be first year starters. Yeah. What other team in the league is even going through that? And the offensive line was a big issue last year. Everybody blamed everything on Ben and, you know, whether they were right or wrong on Randy Fickner. But the fact is, off the offensive line was not good last year. That was why they weren't able to to run for short yardage. I mean, they were just dreadful when it comes to like picking up second and one, third and one, fourth and one. Uh, you don't need me to tell you that. Mm-hmm. But now it's like, okay, it's more of an unknown. They might actually be really good because all these guys have potential, but they're unproven. There's no doubt about that. And then you got a four going on forty year old quarterback and a rookie running back. So. I don't know, man. Like, I'm not – I don't think I'm as optimistic on this team as I was just because it's hard – like, it's hard to predict unknown. If they would have came back with a, a lot of what they had, I would have been able to, like, okay, I, this is what I expect. Now I'm like, I have no idea because they could all be great. Like, uh, like Kendrick Green could be great. Yep. He could be pouncy yep. or he could be terrible. We, we don't know. Dotson, he showed flashes, but that's just a small sample size. And then Chooks and Banner are both – Chooks is playing a new position, and Banner's still uh, – you know, he's never had a real – he started, like, what, two series? So, yeah. like, we have no idea. It's, it's – yeah. if I'm Ben, I'm like <laughs> – Yeah, I was talking with – I was talking with my pops on the phone on the way here uh, to record, and one thing he says, well, I guess we're seeing a lot more of that quick-release offense. <laughs> I mean, yeah, but we don't know. Yeah. Like, these guys might be able to pass block their ass yeah, off. We, it, don't, we have no idea. I mean, I think, and I think from if you've listened to interviews from the Steelers brass, I think this is the route that they're going. But I think we're going to see a much, uh, a much heavier run game this year. We're going to see a, a lot more reliance on the run game, and I think it's by default with Najee Harris. And I, I mean, let, let's let's look at them. I think Dotson is a better run pass or run uh, blocker than he is a pass blocker. Uh, I think that. With two unproven tackles, you you definitely want to be able to run block and an unproven center for them. Yeah, and an unproven center yeah. who's a, you know, by all accounts is going to be a good zone zone run blocker. But uh, I mean, again, it's unproven. Um, I think I, I think it's going to be very hard for them to be worse than they were last year. But even if they're as good as they are they were last year, that's not good at all. That's terrible. Like you were saying, they're third and fourth in, in short. Uh, you know chances and everything I mean, they were, were miserable convert, yeah. they couldn't convert they couldn't get a yard if their lives depended on it so i don't know man it's going to be interesting to see i, I know one thing for certain uh they're going to be relying on this defense a lot but i also think that that makes the Najee harris pick like a lot of people especially the local media were so against it just because it was a running back but i think that's why they 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 know 
like honestly the guards changing this is this has to be ben's last year i think it will be you look at this offense right let's go just three years ago since that jacksonville playoff game you have no brown no bell uh no martavis bryant uh no heath miller you have no DeCastro, no Pouncey, no Villanueva, no Matt Filer. They've lost eight starters on that offense. Yeah. And Juju's probably going to be gone after this year, and Ben's probably going to be gone. This is the changing of the guard yeah. uh, of a new era of Steelers football. And I think the, you know, if Najee is as good as I think he's going to be, and I think he's going to be a top 10 caliber back as far as like when you look at the end of the year, yards from scrimmage, I think you'll see his name there. I think that's who you build this offense around. I think you have to, yeah. Um, it, but again, it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out at Heinz Field and at the <laughs> UPMC Sports Complex oh, on the yeah, south side because uh, it was just announced today also that they will not be attending uh, training camp at St. Vincent College, which sucks for Latrobe and for the for the local businesses up there. Um, so if you're from that area, you're close to that area, make sure you take care of Boy, your, uh, kids about that. Uh, the pandemic already hit a lot of small businesses. So if you're, if you're a small business up in the Latrobe area, uh, or if you're close to one, make sure you, we take, you know, we're taking care of our small businesses, but yeah, the hot takes on the Latrobe thing, man, that was, <laughs> I mean, look at the end of the day, I, I don't know that the players care as much where they hold training camp. I don't think it's that big of a deal to them. I mean, if anything, they don't have to leave home. You know, they don't have to like but go it, in a dorm room. It's for... not the Steelers' fault. So yeah, it's not exactly like it, it's not like there was anything that could have prevented this. I mean, it's. I I think it's a it's a nothing, it's a nothing announcement that people are trying to spin into a something announcement. I mean, is what it, I think it's, it is. It's, I mean, you know, as content creators ourselves, this time of year, it's we, not a lot to talk about. Not gonna lie, show. like the, the Castro kind of threw us a bone. Like, yeah. here you go. There's some Thank news. Thank God to talk it about. happened on a day we record. I will say there is the one of the coolest things you can do as a Steeler fan is usually at Latrobe, uh, they have a Friday night practice, mm -hmm. right? And it's open to the public. And then the guys all come and sign autographs. It's cool as hell, man. I'm not even one of those guys. Like I don't chase autographs and I've stuff like that. I've never been to a training camp. Got it. So. Like next year, if they yeah. do it, it's funny because yesterday, uh, someone on Twitter was like, is anyone going to training camp? And I was like, ah, I'm going to take my son up to the, uh, night practice. And then today they were like, no, you ain't. Well, I, it sounds like from what I hear, like I, this is just from what I heard from like inside the, like I got a couple of friends that, you know, that work for the stadium and all that. Mm. Sounds like they're going to try to do some things open to the public. Oh, really? Okay. Uh, that'll be now, cool. I, I don't yeah. quote me on that, but it sounds like they are trying to work out the logistics to get some things together for the public. So hopefully we'll still be able to take, you know, you'll be able to take Jameson. That'd and, be know. cool. Like, yeah, I'm telling you, it's fun, cool. Like they, they run the drills they run. They'll have the defense. They'll do like a, a two minute drill. They'll do a goal line drill. They tackle and hit and everything like that. They have fireworks at the end. It's kind of crazy. So yeah, if you're, if you've never been to a practice, that's the one, but I, like Latrobe, a lot of times they'll have like NFL camp there where like kid, little kids can, can take a football and run through the, the pads and stuff like that. So yeah, it's, 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 it's definitely disappointing. I hope that they can do that. But I, at the same time, the people on Twitter today that were like, Oh, this this is so stupid. It's a conspiracy. I, I saw a conspiracy oh, against the Steelers. So I saw stupid. COVID conspiracies. And I'm like, listen, what did you expect? They they you know, the this is the NFL protecting its product. The product's always gonna come first before our interests, our own right. interests. Whoa, I want to be able to go to Latrobe. Yes, we do. And I'm sure the players, if they had a preference, they would want that. 
we're getting there. Like literally, like we're uh, we're I'm walking around without a mask like 99% of the time now. Like we're getting oh, there. It's beautiful being so vaccinated. Man. Again, <laughs> do your part and then hopefully next year I I imagine we'll yeah. be back to normal. So um one before we wrap this segment up, the last thing that I want to talk to you about, Chad, uh, I want to get into the hockey world a little bit. Okay. Um I'm gonna throw three instances out there. Uh I can't remember players, so forgive me. But we had one instance where um, where it was Eric Stahl playing for the Canadians who got high, took a high stick to the face uh, to the point where he looked like uh, Frankenstein with his stitches. He came out after yeah. they won the game in overtime, all bloodied up, uh, nothing called. And that happened relatively close to a referee in the same series. I think it was the next game or two games later. Um, somebody from Vegas soccer punched one of i think it was anderson or somebody or suzuki it was nick suzuki, suzuki yeah. yeah soccer punched suzuki in the face not in front of the ref and the ref literally just like, looked away from yeah. it like he just just turned the other like completely turned the other way no penalty called and then last night in the uh in the game uh between the lightning and the uh in the islanders uh one of the islanders players uh was it, i can't again i'm, I'm drawing it was scott mayfield yeah scott mayfield um, who's dirty yeah who and who dk <laughs> on twitter today uh, uh pointed out that he was pretty dirty through the penguins uh, he was. series. yeah and he was uh one of the most blatant nasty cross checks if you've never played ice hockey there is a part of your body where there is no padding and it's like right under your your rib cage uh, between your your chest you know your your chest and shoulder protector and your uh and your hockey pants there's mm -hmm. a little spot in there where there's nothing and it's like right here and if you look at the recording mayfield goes after kucherov with a nasty cross check from behind right in that spot where there is nothing and he hurt him he hurt kucherov and i think that the only reason why to make a, a cross check like that is to hurt somebody again it was right in front of a referee and there was nothing called at what point my question for you chad is at what point in time is the NHL going to realize that the officiating is ruining the game? All the conversations that you and I have had about <sighs> tough guys getting tougher, getting bigger, all comes back to the officials not calling the game the way it's supposed to be called, and it always gets worse during the playoffs. When does this change? It, so it, it it feels like this it's a circle that repeats because we had this issue in the, the, the late 90s and the 2000s. Yeah. And then whenever the lockout happened and then like they were – uh, promote they were actually promoting the clutch and grab yeah they were promoting Crosby and Ovechkin and they came out and said hey you know we're gonna call a lot more penalties and they did I was going back I, every once in a while if I'm bored I go back and watch all the you know the Penguin highlights and I was watching the 07 uh, run when they made the Stanley Cup final and lost and the the 09 run and I was like dude they had a lot of power plays and I was like, man, that made it so fun to watch. It made it fun to watch Gonchar and Crosby and Malkin and Latang on these power plays. And this is, this is why the NHL won't escape. And again, to, I put hockey and baseball in the same category where these old time, and I'm not trying to be ageist or I'm sure someone's gonna be like, you hate old people, but listen, the, the boomers, the the people that are 50 years old and, and up that are the gatekeepers of these sports. And there are some young people that, for whatever they reason, agree with them. That. They and fall into it. there's some older people that are not like that. But, but 
Yeah. They like they hate fun. I don't understand what it is that, that hockey is a niche sport, and I think baseball has become a niche sport. I was talking to we were talking about last last week. Uh, we're like I, I was, and I talked to my friends about it all the time. Like, man, I like baseball used to have so many so many more big name players that were like mainstream celebrities. Like, no more Garcia Parra used to be on SNL and mm-hmm. stuff like that, and you don't have that Derek anymore. Jeter, and, yeah. and it's because the they they're like, no, we they, we want to cater to our core audience and i get that at a at a point but okay then don't complain about tv ratings and stuff like that because nick i turn i tune in to see nikita kucherov and Braden point and stamkos these guys are incredible kucherov's having an all-time great postseason and then you have some guy no offense but like no one cares about scott mayfield no not at all he is a a run-of-the-mill second or third pair defenseman and this dude's been cheap shotting people all postseason and you're not calling penalties and you not calling penalties is the reason why the islanders are able to continue to beat teams who are superior to them mm-hmm. because Tampa, look at Tampa Bay's power play it's unstoppable but, they but if you're not giving it. them chances they're not gonna they have they're, you're ruining your sport one of the things that blew my mind was through the entire Edmonton series against Winnipeg mm-hmm. Uh, Connor or Connor McDavid did not draw a single penalty that entire series. How is that possible? The Con- <laughs> Connor McDavid, the best player on the planet right now, doesn't draw a single penalty in an entire playoff series. And that's not by accident. The NHL is literally doing this on purpose. They're instructing these yeah. referees to swallow their wh- whistles. And like people, are like, oh, and that's well, doc- that- not to interrupt you, but that's documented. There, like, there are <laughs> there are there's emails that have come out from Colin Campbell that have that one he was questioning why they were calling so many penalties on his kid, and then also saying, hey, uh, cut it, cut out the penalties a little bit, let the game move a little faster. Like he actually instructed referees to do that. Imagine but, yeah. the NBA, like like LeBron, like like go he goes to dunk and someone literally just comes up and just pushes him like yeah, pushes out him, of midair and yeah. the referee's like no good play yeah. <laughs> and like that's not no because they understand that people are there to watch that they're wa- exactly. there to watch luca and lebron and all their big name players same with the nfl mahomes drops back the pass and he throws a bomb to tyree kill and all of a sudden the safety comes out of nowhere and just crushes him before he catches the ball and they're like no flag they're like, no, the NFL has literally become more popular because of your Mahomes and all these guys. And because they call penalties. And because the they call penalties and they're the scoring. Yeah. And it doesn't have to be nonstop, but if it's a blatant penalty in you front of officials it. and you're not you calling to. it, you're ruining your and, sport. And Chad, you you brought something up a couple of minutes ago that I wanted to hit on. Uh cater you know, like they're catering to that crowd that like they're their core fans and it's not even right. their core but, fan but it's a, it yeah, a core of the core but yeah let, let's look at it this way if you're listening to our podcast you are a diehard sports fan yes and most likely if you're listening to our podcast you're probably a diehard hockey fan because we are both hockey leaning guys yes our okay? show is hockey dominated so yes if you're one of those people and if you're one of those people that are actively looking for different ways to consume hockey there's nothing that the NHL is going to do to lose you, right? There's, they're, they're not going to lose you. If, yeah. you're, if you're one of those old-time hockey guys that have been a hockey guy for life, you're um, – You can watch the Russian League. Yeah, you're, you're the guy that like, – like how my dad is with football. My dad 
has been texting me nonstop about this uh, developmental league, mm -hmm. you know, and, and the, the, the mega bowl or whatever they had this past week. I know that the linemen won that game because my dad was texting me score updates because he'll consume football any way that he can get it. If you're one of those people with hockey, and that's who the NHL seems to be catering to in this situation. Mm -hmm. They don't need to cater to that crew because no matter what they do, that crew is going to love hockey. That crew is going to follow the NHL. They're going to be ticked off about some things and they're going to be upset about some things, but the NHL is not going to lose that crowd. What they should be doing is examine, like what you said, do what the NFL did, do what the NBA did, examine ways that you can change your game to make it more appealing to the mass, to the mass public, make it more fun for people who've never seen hockey before that will go to a game for the first time, see how exciting it is, see how fast it is, how electric it is in person and become hooked for life. That's what they need to be doing. And they're not doing it because they're dumb. Not to mention that like a power play is literally how you build drama in a, because yes. here's the thing, either way, there's nothing more exciting than either scoring a power play goal, or if you're the home team defending a power play, killing a penalty is like it literally gives your entire team and fan base a, a jolt and momentum and you're you're literally the drama is what a drama is what makes anything whether it's a movie tv show a book or sports that's what makes your the unknown uh, that's yeah. the, that's the entertainment value right there and i said go back and watch those old penguin cup runs from 08 and 09 and I, it was crazy they were getting like four power plays a game mm -hmm. and it made it more entertaining absolutely and like if you tune into game seven against the islanders and and tampa bay and there's like one penalty called and they're like yeah this is like oh this sucks like yeah. scott mayfield's out there killing people and 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 and, and good players and Nikita Kucherov who's averaging 1.4 points per game and you're robbing him of of a chance to entertain people and and perform to his max capacity to cater to these old-time Canadian gatekeeping guys yeah. and yeah. it just sucks and it's ruining your product and I mean I'm a hardcore hockey fan I gotta tell you if it's Habs and Islanders I'm gonna be I, real frustrated I, like, I might not I'm not gonna watch every game yeah. I'm just not and I and I am a hardcore yep down-to-earth hockey and do you fan. Know what, do you know what sucks? Is you've got storylines like Nikita Kucherov averaging 1.4 points a game, coming hasn't played at all in the regular season, and you've got that whole saga that we could be talking about. And a chance to yeah. win back-to-back -back cups. A, back to win, a chance to win back-to-back -back cups. You've got Steven Stamkos, who is the proverbial injured captain, and he's been playing very good hockey. Braden Point is at, uh, one Braden of the most Point exciting players in the, the league. Show. Yeah. You've got on the other side, you've got Carey Price, who's playing some of the best goalie that I've seen yeah. in a couple of years. And he deserves it. And yeah, he, he's been that career guy who's never got the, got this far. I mean, there are so many things that we could talk be talking about right now in hockey, and we're talking about how officials don't know how to officiate the game. It's it's well, sucks, and that's man. what whenever we get a chance to talk to Dejon, I want to talk to him about like I I I think officials in, in sports in general have too much power. They love all the human element. They want to they want to have the human element, and I get it. And they're never going to replace these guys because it's jobs, and that's always going to come firsthand. But it is very frustrating when these guys have that much power over an outcome, and I I think it robs fans like i think you're just being you're being uh very ignorant to your fan base and you're you're literally turning people away from something that they enjoy and that it's it's like reverse marketing it's it's actually incredible like how how dumb it is yep 
Well, listen, we've got a lot to cover with uh, with Doran Dickerson in the next segment. So we're going to take a quick break and uh, we will be right back with Doran Dickerson of the Pittsburgh Penguins. Hey, 412 Sports Talk family, what's going on? It's your guy, Eddie P. Uh, I'm sitting in MCM Studios right now with our sponsor, my man, Mike Hitt. Mike, what's going on, brother? What's up, bro? 412 Sports Talk Podcast, Pittsburgh, PA. What is up? What we're doing is, you know, we've got, we're a local podcast. We talk Pittsburgh sports. We're completely supported by people that are either from Pittsburgh or have ties to Pittsburgh. And even our sponsor, MCM Studios, is over in Allentown in the heart of the city of Pittsburgh. But I wanted to bring you into the studio so you could see what Mike's got going on and you can see a little bit of, uh, you know, what happens behind the scenes here at MCM Studios. Mm -hmm. So Mike, what are you working on right now, man? I'm working with a, a, always a stable of talented artists, whether they're from Pittsburgh, they come to Pittsburgh, they come to MCM Studios, they move here from out of town, whatever the case may be, a young, old guy, girl, um, pop, rock, reggae, R&B, trap music. You know, I just work with a lot of guys that need the love and the attention and the direction in order to get their sound and their business together and their their whole artistry, you know, in a position that is the quality and, and the vision that they were looking for. I kind of just help them bring all that together. So they're like, oh, you know, or I would have been lost for the next three years if you wouldn't have said, hey, go do this or sing your song like this or write a song like this or this is a good look for you as an artist. That's really what MCM Studios does and what I have going on is just continually helping artists. If they get famous, they get famous. If they don't, they don't. But just helping them along on this artistic journey so they can look back and it was really it felt like it was worth it. Yes. I know how much it means to be a musician and need that backup. And I'll be honest with you, Mike has been a big, big part of the business side of 412 Sports Talk and how much we've grown as a business too. Helping us with the legal side of things, giving us all the tips that he's learned in 10, 11 years of business. So like I said, I just wanted to get you guys to take a look at the studio, hear it from Mike himself, and uh, just get a little bit of the behind the scenes of one of our sponsors, our first sponsor, MCM Studios. And you can check them out at 412mcmstudios.com. You can check them out on Facebook at MCM Studios Pittsburgh. Uh, check Mike out on Twitter at Mike Hitman with two T's. Uh, let's build this Pittsburgh community because uh, there's a lot of cool people, a lot of talented people, and a lot of great things going on in the city. Mike, you got anything else to leave them with? You know, support support the people around you that are doing cool things. If you can see that they're serious and they're dedicated and they're putting the time and they're making the investment in themselves, at least make at the very minimum the investment of believing in them. That's what I did for 412 Sports Talk Podcast. That's what I do at the studio with the artist. Just look at your life as one big investment and I really think by doing that we can all help bring everybody around us up. So there it is. I hope you guys enjoyed this little mini tour. Uh, we'll be back with stuff like this. Uh, in the meantime, again, I'm Eddie Provident. Uh, from Mad Chad Nolan, from my man Mike Hitt, uh, we'll catch you later. Peace.
All right, welcome to another episode of 412 Sports Talk. I am your host, Eddie Provident. With me is my main man, Mad Chad. And our guest for the third time, friend of the show, uh, Doran Dickerson. Yeah, thanks, guys. I appreciate you guys always having me on. And congratulations. You guys are, are moving on up like the Jeffersons. You guys are <laughs> you guys are becoming big time. I mean, it's an honor for me to to be on your show right now. And, you know, you guys are doing your thing. Uh, well, you've been a big part of it, man. You've, yeah. Uh, from the first time we asked you to come on, you've been a big help. And uh, you've always, I mean, we, I've asked, heck, I've asked you to help my father-in-law out and you've, uh, <laughs> you've obliged. So <laughs> uh, you're always willing to help, man. And we appreciate that. So uh, you definitely have no small part in this. Um, I want to get right on the Steeler topic of the day. Yeah. Uh, Dave DeCastro released for a non-football injury. Uh, do you think that this is a sign of retirement for Dave? And do you think that this is going to hurt or help the Steelers offensive line? Well, I mean, for the, for the offensive line, I mean, they're fairly new, obviously Pouncey's out and, you know, you got to find a new center. They drafted Kendrick green out of, uh, out of Illinois. So, uh, you know, he's going to be a young guy. Chooks a core for is moving over. Uh, to the other side of the line, Zach Banner, you don't know what he's going to be able to do this year coming off an injury. Um, so to me, the Castro was the glue of the offensive line, keeping it together for this year. And, you know, he, he hasn't been the same physically in the past couple of years. You know, I think we all seen that, um, you know, he's one of the best pulling guards, uh, you know, we've seen in a long time, but he hasn't really, you know, shown that in the last couple of years, but what he does do that we don't see is, you know, keep them together. You know, he's that veteran in the locker room. He's the, you know, uh, you know the, the the ace on the offensive line. You know, that grit whenever you do need that third and one. He was that guy to get everybody going. So, you know, physically, you know, hopefully they can replace him. Um, they're looking at Trey Turner. You know, money-wise, I think they'd save, what, $8.75 million, yeah. um, you know, for the cap, if uh, releasing uh, David DeCastro. But if they do sign Trey Turner, I think he made, like, $8.1 million. So, you know, I think it's kind of a, a push if you do sign a guy like Trey Turner. I don't know what that, you know, the logistics of that's going to be with the money. But you know, Trey Turner is very serviceable. He's a veteran. He, uh, you know, is very uh, competent as position. And he could plug and play. But there's still just a new dynamic to the offensive line. There's a new offensive coordinator. So it, it's just going to be different. And you're losing that guy. Maybe they just want a new regime. They want to just start clean. Um, I get that. But, you know, with Ben coming back and, you know, Ben saying he has a little bit left in the tank, that was very surprising that they did release David DeCastro. And, uh, you know, I mean, just, you know, like I said, he was the glue for a long time. And, you know, now you got to figure out who's going to be that glue now. When you hear, like, when people hear, uh, like, leadership's like a buzzword, like, that people throw around. Anytime a player gets signed, they're like, he's going to bring leadership to the locker room. But you, you were in these locker rooms both on the NFL level, high school level, college level. How imp for people that aren't in the locker rooms <laughs> is, is leadership is that an overrated quality and and how important is is someone like a Pouncey or a DeCastro when it comes to providing leadership for those that like are not in those locker rooms and don't know exactly what that term means? Well, there's a standard to you know each team in the NFL and every every team obviously wants to make it and go to the Super Bowl and win a Super Bowl but there's a standard in the NFL not just as a team but as a professional football player how you carry yourself as a pro is the standard and when I was in Houston you know that's where I learned that the Andre Johnsons uh the Bernard Pollards the 
you know, Dwayne Browns. I mean, I'm missing so many guys, you know, the Matt Schaubs and, and Kevin Walters, the Owen Daniels. But those guys were the leaders. You know, even Kevin Bentley, he only played special teams, but he was a 10-year special teams ace. And he was a leader on special teams. And, you, you know, you, you carried yourself a certain way whenever you're around those guys because they set the bar at a certain level. Yeah, we didn't win. We didn't win a Super Bowl. But they taught you how to be a pro, how to attack your craft every single day to try to have the great opportunity to make it to a Super Bowl. And, you know, the leadership, it, it's huge, and especially for young guys, you know, like myself. I was a rookie and looking up to guys like Dondre Johnson and how you know, he even took care of his body, you know, how he how he treated his body after practice and before practice. And, you know, you know, when did he wake up and, you know, how much sleep did he get? I mean, those little things, they do matter, especially for a guy like Kendrick Green. I mean, you know, he's coming in, he's playing a position that is very, very, uh, you know, intellectually, you know, on a high level for offensive lineman, you're the quarterback of the offense. You're, you're calling out mic points. You're, you're, you're setting protections. You're getting everybody in line to be able to give, uh, to be able to service Ben and keep him clean. So, you know, a guy like DeCastro, he could very, very, you know, he could be very, a big asset to a guy like Kendrick Green, who is a rookie. Now, Kendrick Green, no, I'm not saying, if they do sign Trey Turner, he could be that guy, but Trey Turner is going to try to, you know, fill out himself. I mean, it's a new team, new area, you know, new, yeah. you know, new time period. So then you look to the left, you have Kevin Dotson, who's what a second year guy. Um, and, you know, it, it's, it, that is tough for young players to not have that type of leadership in your position group. So now I do think that those, those cliches of, of leadership are for real. And, and, and they're more than what we, what people see on the outside. So you were a tight end when you played all of this offensive line turnover, how does this change the game for someone playing the tight end position? So like, what's this going to do for Eric Ebron and even uh, Pat Fryermuth coming into a new offense as a rookie? Um, how does this change things for them? Because they don't have that solidified group that the Steelers have had for the past few, well, before last year, the past few years. Um, what does this, like when you're, you know, in practice and when you're in the playbook, like what does this do for you? Well, I, for, from, you know, you know, back when I played, you know, tight ends had to block, you know, I mean, if you, if you could, <laughs> if you couldn't block, you were getting cut or you just weren't going to play at all. Like you were expected to block. You're expected to line up in line. You're expected to reach block a defensive end in a nine technique or cut off a defensive end in a seven technique. They didn't care how big you were. They didn't care how skinny you were. If you couldn't do that, you weren't making the team. So, but with the new regime nowadays, I mean, that was 10 years ago, the new regime nowadays, you have the Friar Moose, you have the Eric Ebron's, they're going to be split out more. They're going to be, you know, asked to run down the seams and maybe, you know, block a nickel or block a, a linebacker on some place. They're not going to be in line as much. And with Matt Canada's offense, I think he's very creative and he's not going to put them in situations where they'll get beat. But the position group that this will affect the most is the running back position with the Derek Watts and the, and the Najee Harris. Now they will stay in and protect. I mean, as we've seen it, you have to be able to protect at the R uh, position, the running back position, the tailback position, and the fullback position. So I think that whenever what we'll see is, you know, if the line is trying to figure themselves out and trying to, you know, figure out, you know, who does what well, how are they going to gel, you're going to see Derek Watt a lot in protection. Just to give that extra boost to the offensive line, you're going to see Najee Harris be asked to, to pick up a, a Mike linebacker blitzing more than he probably would if there was a a veteran offensive line. So the running back position is probably going to have the most on their shoulders uh, protection wise with this new offensive line regime. And I mean, in my opinion, not, yeah, I mean, maybe Friar Muth and Ebron will be asked to stay in and pass block 
one time a game, but they're not going to be asked to do that for a whole series. So not like the Heath Millers, not like, you know, you know, the guys we, we grew up watching. I mean, that's mm-hmm. just, it's just changed now. Right. They're like, they're glorified basketball players uh, at the tight end position, very athletic and run long lanky. can get down the seam and, 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 and get those yak yards. So I think that's what's going to be expected out of the tight end group this year. We are here with our main man, our third time guest, Doran Dickerson, friend of the show. Uh, we've been talking a lot of football. I want to keep it on football, uh, but Chad and I wanted to talk to you. We kind of got into this conversation the last time you were on, on with us. Uh, I want to talk about some Whippy All Stars mm-hmm. in your mind, and uh, who you uh, maybe who you played against, and then who you've seen uh, the number one on each side of it, like who, mm. the number one player that you ever played <laughs> against or with, and then the number one player that you uh, that you've seen in your lifetime. Well, played against that, you know, that's tough because it was really myself, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, when I asked, I'm just kidding. When I asked I'm the kidding. question on Twitter, I mean, your name was, was right there as the most mentioned. <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm just, I'm just messing. But the, but the, the player that I honestly, I remember I, it was my freshman and sophomore year. And I remember going down to the Whoopio games and I remember watching this player and being like, man, I, I have to get on that level. Like, just in amazed at how fast and how quick and just how dominant this guy was. He became my favorite player in high school and I wanted to do everything he did plus more. And that was Eugene Jarvis. Mm-hmm. Eugene Jarvis was the best high school football player. In my opinion, I've ever seen uh, to this day. I still see him. And I just tell him, you know, listen, man, like I, I wanted to be like Eugene Jarvis, even though he was five foot five, that didn't matter to me. He played like he was 6'3", three, two hundred twenty pounds. Other than size, do you think? Because he where, he went to Toledo uh, Kent or, State. Kent State. Kent State. That's mm. like one of the, the Ohio schools. Other than size, do you think there's any other reason why he didn't go further than D D one football? I, you know what? I, I think that he got hurt a little bit. I'm not What's sure, but yeah. I, 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 you know, and I'm, I'm very good friends with with this guy too. And I, I remember thinking, you know, they offered this guy. And they Pitt offered this guy and they didn't offer Eugene Jarvis. And I'm like, that's the same player. And I was like, Eugene is like electrifying. That's LaRod Stevens howling. Like they were the same size. And I was like, well, why isn't Eugene Jarvis getting, you know, these big time offers that LaRod was getting? Uh, so that always boggled my mind. But I, be- I believe that like Eugene, he set records at Kent State, but I think he got hurt. I think he had like a kidney issue uh, his senior year. But yeah, just, I mean, one of the best players I've ever, ever seen in high school. He was the running back when my friend, uh, when Shane Murray was was the quarterback at Central. And I, yep. I remember watching those teams just because uh, Shane was a few years older than me, but we played at Greenfield together. And so, you know, having one of my friends that played, you know, going to state titles and Whippeal titles like that, that was pretty cool. So I, that's that's why I remember Eugene is because I was so into that team because of uh, Shane. And was that uh, Buddy Skeels and um, Chewy? Pelusi. Yeah, Pelusi and all those yep. guys. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, they were, they, they, there was they like were a good. golden age of Whippeal that I felt like it was like the mid the mid two thousands where there was like Justin King, Darren Walls, uh, who was I was a big fan of because I, I have connections to Woodland Hills and he went to Notre Dame. Um, I'm sure I'm missing some, you know Russell Shell was was in the mid two thousands. I I went to my team was terrible my senior year. I went to Steel Valley and it was right before Eddie's uh, Eddie and. Uh, and uh, um, Coach Steele Coach Steel came over and, and rejuvenized the, the the program. But my senior year was Terrell Pryor's sophomore year. And I saw Terrell Pryor play live, basketball and football. And to me, that's the best high school athlete I've ever witnessed in my – I mean, it looked like he – like, it looked like he was playing against kids, like like Mighty Mites. 
Uh, I, I have never been awed by a high school athlete. I remember he got uh, a technical because he, like, dunked almost from the foul line in high school, and they were like, no, nah, we ain't, you ain't doing that here. But I, I don't know if you guys saw Terrell play in person, but at just pure athleticism, to me, that's the best athlete I've seen in, in Whipules. I've I seen Terrell play basketball. I'd never seen him play football. Um, I'm doing real well. I'm two years older than two, so we graduated the same year, me and you. Um, I mean, just unbelievable. Just, you know, that dominant aspect – and, you know, another guy like that really hits home for me that, I, you know, I watched growing up and I wanted to be like was Tyler Palco. I mean, obviously he went to same high school as Dallas, my high school mm-hmm. coach. I mean, watching him play the game, he was just such a gamer. Like he could play defense, he could play offense, he could throw, he could run, he could, you know, he could do it all. And I remember, you know, I was young. I was in eighth grade, seventh grade, whenever he was like a senior and just watch him. I was like, you know, I, I, I want to be like that. So like those guys, like, like Tyler and, and guys like uh, Darrell Revis ended up wow. playing with them at Pitt. Um, you know, I was like, I, I want to be like that. So they, they kind of gave me the motivation to try to, you know, try to at least get on, try to get on their level. Yeah. Prior, he was something else. And then I'll, I'll tell you one dude, the, the same generation, you know, we're talking about the golden age. Mm-hmm. Um, Steve Breston was another. Dude. Oh, yeah, just, TDB. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I, <laughs> He's I co- a good guy too. I coached yeah. with, coach with his brother uh, at Steel Valley for a couple years, but I remember that, that same central team with, uh, with Shane Murray and all those guys on it. And they, it, uh, at Heinz field for the Whipple title. And we just went into all the central fans went into that thinking it was a wrap and Steve <laughs> Breston absolutely stole the show at Heinz field, man. Like he, he ran all over them. I've never seen a quarterback do what he did at high school. Call it for one game. He just absolutely took over the over the game. There was no answer. There was absolutely no answer for him. And um, I mean, it was. I walked out of that. I was probably 14 years old, and I just walked out of that like in in awe. Like, did not think somebody could do that to Central. See, like Stevie Breston, he. I feel like he gets credit, but he doesn't get a lot of credit for being, you know, dominant in high school, dominant at Michigan. And yeah. pretty dominant in the NFL yeah. with the Cardinals. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yard great uh, you know, like yeah. like this dude was a really freaking good football player every single level. Like, he's a great I mean, guy him. off the and field. And a great too, guy. Man. Yeah, like yeah. what him and his brother are doing for their community. You know, like they they do so much. And he, you're right. He never you never hear his name. He's always mm-hmm. behind the scenes. He's always out of the limelight. But yeah, I mean, if there's one of the guys from the Whippeal that's like one of the good guys and quality players, it's absolutely Breston. Yeah. What's in the water though? With like, if you think, of, if you look at the the map, right? Like Texas, Florida, California, like Pennsylvania, especially Western Pennsylvania. The pop, our population is like is nowhere as close as the as those states. But like, even my high school, like Steel Valley, like my graduating class, we had like ninety eight people, but we've put three quarterbacks <laughs> in the NFL. How? <laughs> like mathematically, that's yeah. so impossible to do. So what do you like? What is, is it? Just our culture here that just like football is just preached, and that's uh, maybe some kids look at it as a way of 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 getting yourself in college and and to have a a good life. Like, wh- what was your experience that like, f- you know, in the Whippeals as as great as you were, but also look, you know, taking a look around and being like, why there's so many great players coming here? What do you have like an answer for that? Or is it just a, an anomaly or or what? I think, I think it's grit and I, I think it's tradition too. And, you know, kind of like what I've just said about a couple guys, I think that a lot of guys in the Whippeal, you know, they hear those big time names. They hear that, you know, you got a kid that's in eighth grade at Aliquippa, uh, you know, right now, I mean, he knows who Darrell Rivas is and he's like, you know, I want to be like Darrell Rivas mm-hmm. or, you know, even like, 
a kid at, at Beaver Falls, like that wants to play quarterback. Like I want to be like Joe Namath from back in the sixties. <laughs> like, you know, I mean, like these are big time Johnny Unitas. I mean, there's the Dan Marino. I mean, there's so like, yeah. it just tri keeps trickling down. Like guys and, you know, kids pay attention to that stuff. And even when I went to Pitt, I was like, well, you know, there's Tony Dorsett, there's Bill Fralick, there's, you know, there, there's, there's so many guys that it's like Curtis Martin. I mean, mm -hmm. yeah, there's so many guys, Ironhead Hayward. There's so many guys that, you know, you look at and you're like, man, like these, these, you know, these guys came from where I came from. Like, I got to do the same thing. So you kind of hold yourself at a high level in the grit. And I think, you know, our parents, the, you know, how we are raised, um, the toughness, mm -hmm. the, yeah. you know, you know, the toughness and, you know, playing in the backyard, whenever it's two degrees out with your buddies at the baseball field or, you know, at the park or whatever, and, you know, tackling and being, you know, I mean, some kids are, you know, at the beach down in Florida or, or <laughs> California, like hanging out. We, we were, that's what we were doing. When I, uh, when I was still at Steel Valley, it was, it was 2016. It was the, uh, uh, our first um, scrimmage of the season. We, we scrimmaged Clareton. And so that would have been uh, – uh, um, he just graduated from Penn State. Lamont Wade. Lamont, yeah, Lamont, Lamont Wade. Yeah, it would have been Wade and Paris Ford's uh, senior years. And that was a better football game than I had seen all season. <laughs> and it was just because Paris and Lamont were just going at each other. And they've known each other since they were kids. So they were, you know, they've, they'd always – gone up against each other but I was up in the booth and um Lamont Wade I think it was his uncle was up in the booth with us he coaches over at Clareton and I asked him I said dude what are you guys doing over here you're you're a 1A school that's cranking out division one athletes mm -hmm. every couple years you're always winning titles you're always like in the thick of things when it comes to the best you know the best football teams in the, in the state like what are you guys doing over here and he actually I mean it was a sobering answer especially for a neighborhood like Clareton, one I related to, mm -hmm. you know, coming from Hazelwood, being at Steel Valley. Um, but he was like, when these kids are little, they've got two options. They got the street or they got football. Yeah. Yep. And yep. the guys that choose the street, it sucks, but no one ever hears or sees, you know, th that's it. But the guys that choose football, we have enough of them that we make sure when they choose football, they don't have a reason to go back to the streets. Yep. And, uh, and for the most part, they're doing a really good job with it over there. And I, I think that's to your point, man, that's, there's that grit. Like you have a, you have a decision to make early on in life. Are you going to do this? Or are you going to do that? And I think it makes boys men a lot quicker than it does in other parts of the country. Yeah, for sure. And you know, that's why it is very crucial to have the right people, uh, the right men as college football coaches, because you're getting a lot of those kids that have the only two choices, you know, I was very fortunate that I didn't have to have just two choices uh, in life. Uh, you mm -hmm. know, and I, and I'm very fortunate that every day, but there, and I, but I'm very aware that there are kids out there that don't have that, that luxury. So that's why I believe it's very important to not just have the right coach in line at your university, but the right man to be able to, to lift these kids that are coming to your school to another level, to be able to push them as being, uh, and growing them as being young men. I mean, that's the yep. biggest part about being a college football coach in my mind is that, you know, your crop of guys that you have, you need to make them young men. Like you're not just coaching them football, you're coaching them life. So that's what I believe that, you know, every university needs to uh, make sure that they're doing. Chad wanted to get into some stuff. We were just talking at the, uh, during the break here. Uh, he wanted to get into <laughs> one of the, uh, the favorites of the Pittsburgh sports world right now. Uh, who you got, Chad? <laughs> so Lev Bell comes out, and <laughs> I just I just find it funny that that Lev Bell, for, you know, he he comes out and he he this this man, especially like you. We talked about last segment, right? How you 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 came from a, a situation where you had the right support and the right help. 
Lev Bell, I, 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 I refuse to believe that he has the right people around him because he seems to burn bridges wherever he goes. And he comes out and says he'll never, he would rather retire than play for Andy Reid, which I'm not even sure he had a choice <laughs> if he wanted to play for Andy Reid or not. But what are your thoughts on Lev Bell? And what are your thoughts on like players not getting maybe the right people in their, in their life? Uh, maybe they surround themselves with people that are just yes men uh, and, and, not not getting the tough love that I think maybe someone like Le'Veon Bell uh, needs to get. Like, hey, you know, sometimes it's okay to to look in the mirror and say it's it's a you you thing. You need to fix, all, you know, and work on you. But I just want to get your thoughts on that and, and about Le'Veon Bell and other players like that. Well, you know, Le'Veon Bell situation. I mean, like, I mean, he's just you know he's he spiraled out of control ever since the whole Steelers situation. I mean, I'm pretty sure that he probably sits there and whatever he does makes his wraps up and try and probably sits there and thinks, <laughs> thinks like, man, I should have just stayed a stealer and retired. Like, I mean, I don't know, you know, like, it, it, you know, guys, they, they don't make the right decision sometimes. And, you know, then, then they're in their feelings and they come out and they want to blame and point fingers. Um, and that's what he's doing. And he probably won't play ever again. I mean, nobody's going to pick him up after that. I mean, what coach would have any, any, any right mind to, to sign somebody like that? I mean, he, we saw him last year. I mean, he it looked like he was running in sand. So, um, but for like the guys that with this, with the support, and I always, you know, I always thought this, like, I mean, you're 21, 22 years old, you get drafted in the NFL, say your first round pick and, you know, you get that side and bonus, say, you know, like $40 million, you know, whenever the cap wasn't, whenever it wasn't the way it is now. I mean, who's going to tell you what to do? Like your parents never seen that amount of money. So you can't turn to your parents and be like, Hey, you know, can you guide me of, 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 you know, how I should be, how I should structure this. You know, I'm 21 years old and, you know, who are you going to go to? You're going to hire a financial advisor. You're going to hire an agent. Uh, you're going to pay them each 3% and they're going to manage your money. And then they're going to manage you, uh, you know, for your contracts and your NFL team, but they're not going to tell you what to do. It's your money, you know, yeah. and you're 21 years old. Like think about if you had $40 million, whenever you're 21 years old, what would you do? You know, I'm no, talking about I think the that's young a lot guys. of pe things that people like like us don't consider, you know, in these situations like that, that would easily change someone's principles, morals and all Everything. that stuff. Yeah. yeah. I mean, well, and, and you're, you know, you're just guessing, too. It's like, all right, well, you know what? I got 40 million dollars. So I just got drafted by the Houston Texans. I got, let's say, 20 million dollars. All right. I could buy a nice mansion there for about you know, a couple million dollars, you know, back home, I'm from Pittsburgh. I'm gonna buy me a nice mansion there too. And you know what? I actually like the beach. So I'm gonna buy a nice mansion there. Uh, I got to get a bunch of cars, right? So I got to, I got to put cars in these places. I got to furnish these places. So you're doing all that and you're like, all right, I'm feeling good. So like now everybody loves you. Everybody wants to be around you. Everybody wants to come visit you, come to games. Yeah. You're getting 80 tickets a game. Uh, and everybody's like, all right, well, what do you want, Dorn? All right, well, what do you want? You know, Dorn, do you want to do you want us to come down? Do you want to go out? Oh, right, yeah, I'll go out. So, like, you, you have this mentality built up, and you have all this money that, that if you do get lucky and make it five, six, seven, eight years in the league, I mean, that's your foundation of, you know, who you are. I mean, yeah, you grow up into a man. You grow up and, you know, maybe start a family. But a lot of these guys are single. A lot of these guys are still living that life of whenever they were 21 and whenever they were drafted. And, Nobody can tell them what to do. That's a lot of money to manage. Uh, and whenever you have money and you are successful like that and young, nobody can tell you what to do. See, yeah. I always like my, my thoughts on the Lev Bell thing was always, at least when he left the Steelers, he bet on himself. You know, like I can't fault a guy for betting on himself. It didn't pan out. It, it obviously wasn't the right decision looking back at it. And he lost money and went to a, a much worse situation for him in, in New York. But I can't fault him for 
for trying that, you know, or for th doing what he thought was best. I don't fault him for that, but I fault him for no, for blaming after, everyone yeah, else. It's, it's everything is, is after what I have he a made problem that decision. Yeah. It's like, all right, dude, come on, just he like, threw Ben under the bus. The now you, he's throwing yeah, Andy Reid under the bus. The more he opens his mouth, yeah. the more problems there are. And I think it's unfortunate because he was a likable dude. I, I always liked him in Pittsburgh. Um, it wasn't an A-B situation where he went off the rails and, like, put other people in harm's way. He just was, you know, kind of a goofy character. And until he started doing what you said, uh, it was kind of like, yeah. all right, whatever. But now, you know, especially a guy like uh, – like, look at the two coaches he's, he, you know, he's talking about, Andy Reid and Mike Tomlin. Um, yeah, Adam Gase, does, yeah. I would throw yeah. him under the bus but, like, for real. But. Andy Reid, I've <laughs> never – and you're, I mean, obviously you're closer to the NFL than we are, but, I mean, I've never heard a single bad word about I, Andy Reid. <laughs> that's because Adam Gase probably let him do whatever he wanted. He probably yeah. never was like, you know what, you're good. Like, I'm not even going to reprimand you. Andy Reid is probably like, yeah, you're probably not going to play today. Like, yeah. we, we got to win. And Lev's like, well, I need my touches. And he's like, no. Like we're, we're here to win, yeah. and left. You know, he probably didn't like that, and you know, and, and, and you know, those strong. I mean, and, and they won, so it's like, you know, it's a tough situation for, in his mind, for him. So, right. now you look, and then you look at the AB situation. AB goes off the rails and goes nuts and dyes his mustache and just you know is throwing gummies at his wife and like, <laughs> then he then he freaking wins a Super Bowl. It's like you can't like it's just. Yeah. Hey, that's you know, why I don't like, believe in life. karma. <laughs> I don't yeah, believe it's, it's, it. it's, it's life. Like yeah. it's, it's, it's weird. It's weird. Doran, before we wrap up and get you out of here, I want to talk a little bit about uh, your new gig, man. You're uh, you are, what's your title again? I know you're with the penguins in the front office. Mm -hmm. You are the community development. Uh, uh, director of project development. So the, the, development. the, the billion dollar project that's going on across the street um, where the civic arena used to be, I'm overseeing that for yeah. our, for the Penguins and our development team and just kind of being the liaison for the Penguins, the community, the city, and uh, you know, the development partners that we have. Now we've, you know, we've, again, this is something else we talked with you about the last time, but uh, I don't, maybe a lot of people just associate you with football, but you're a pretty big hockey fan. And for a while, wanted to be a, a full-time NHL guy, you know, wanted to, to go the hockey route, right? Oh, my, what a yeah, powerful yeah. he would have been. My oh, God. My, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I did. Hey, we found our answer to Tom Wilson, <laughs> yeah. man. I did. I did. You know what? And, and, and we had some defensemen uh, that were hurt early in the season and, and, <laughs> Somebody, somebody looked at me. Was like, "Can you skate still?" <laughs> yeah, yeah no and I was like, well, "Oh, maybe a little bit, but <laughs> yeah." So, but yeah, I grew up. I grew up playing hockey, and I, you know, I loved it. You know, growing up watching, you know, Mary Lemieux and all those guys, and it's just, you know, amazing to actually be inside of that and to see how they operate. And you, you know, if you're there for one day, you see why they win. You know, just everything from top to bottom. Now, the the question that I have for you is, you, I know because I, I had friends that used to play in the in the uh, or used to work in the organization. Um, I know about those uh, those staff pickup games. H have you got into them yet? No, but you know what? I have been asked because they're like, well, you know, they're like, we do these staff pickup games uh, uh, before the before the games in the morning, like early in the morning. They're like, would you be interested in doing that whenever like COVID is lifted? We're probably going to start it back up next year. I'm like, yeah, I, yeah, I'll try. And like, none of them know I could skate. Like, none of them know that. No, none of them know they're like, all right. Like, kind of like looking at me. I'm like, none of them. I'm, I'm gonna go out there. I'm taking everybody out. <laughs> are you I like? Am. Are you? Because like, it took me the longest to get pro. Like, I, I for a while there, I played ice hockey, but like, I had to hide myself on the rink because I, I didn't know how to skate backwards. It took me like years to, to learn how to skate backwards. Like, how, how are you skating? Like, are you, are you ready to go all 200 feet or? It, it, yeah, it, it's like riding a bike to me. Like, yeah. you know, so if I know that like we have like a, a morning skate, 
I'll probably skate like the week before on my okay. own, like yeah, yeah. go to go to a stick time just to get my bearings underneath me to start feeling it, and then I'll be I'll be good. It's a, oh, yeah, man. but it, yeah, it would only take me like a couple hours to start getting in the groove. All right, so if you're gonna put in uh, an all NFL hockey team together, <laughs> so obviously we got I'm gonna put you on the team. We've got JJ Watt. Yep. Yeah. Uh, we've got I saw Gronk had a little bit of little bit of skill. Oh my god, he uh, was against the uh, again, he was up there with the uh, Lightning. Um, who else? Who else in the NFL that you know of? It's a hockey guy, oh, or just man. football guys or, in general. Yeah, yeah, football guy in general that uh, that you think could could play on the ice a little bit. I, I mean, like, I, just just the three of you, three tight ends on that team. I'm not messing with that line. Like, I'm I'm not. <laughs> well, I know uh, Dom Barber. He was my teammate. He doesn't. We're both retired. But Dom Barber. He was uh, Marion Barber's brother. Yeah. Um, he played hockey at Minnesota, and he played safety at Minnesota. So okay, uh, at Minnesota College. So uh, he was a safety with the Texans with me. So I know that he could for sure play because that's all we did was talk hockey, uh, throw in dips and talk hockey hockey all the time. So uh, he would be one. I think like Bakhtiari, like Dave Bakhtiari. I think that he would probably get on skates. He's pretty big, but I feel like for some reason he could probably skate. Um, and let's put one more. Um, <laughs> oh man, we gotta get we gotta get a. Uh, Need a Man. goalie or a speed guy. Or, I know, like yeah. a speed guy. Yeah, I would. We say got a like, bunch of bruisers on this. I mean, this is a throwback to like seventies <laughs> hockey line right now, man. Like, I bet you like Cole Beasley would probably be pretty good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, well yeah. He, he needs to get his shot first. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, let me ask you a question before you go about hockey. So, look at I, one of the things, especially for people that follow me on Twitter, that I talk about is like. Uh, the NBA and NFL are so much more friendly as far as casual viewers go because they promote their stars and they change their roles to make their game uh, more friendlier for for casual viewers. And I'm always someone that like I want other I like when other people like hockey, like I'm always trying to get people involved. You're commissioner for for a day, right? Gary Bettman's out. You're in. What what would you do to make hockey uh, more nationally accepted as uh, in mainstream? Uh, I, I mean, I would, I would push it at, at each level. I would try to push it at, at the, you know, the college level, the, the, the junior level, the, you know, the, the other, the other leagues, I would try to push them and just make it more noticeable. Uh, I, and I think people, they don't play hockey because one, it's expensive. I would make it, I would make it as much inexpensive as I could for the youth. So, yes. more, so more youths could play like, I mean, every year it's $2,000 and the ice times at 5 a.m. or 11 p.m. at night. So I would get, I would fix that. If I was the NHL, I would, I would raise funds to put into that, to, to make it more accessible for kids to play the game and promote it more, you know, promote the guys, you know, the, the Crosby's, the Ovechkin's, the Stamkos's, the, the, you know, McDavid's, you know, those guys just put them on a, you know, they're, they're, they're your money makers. Like I would put them as they were the LeBrons, like literally like you, you're doing a commercial with LeBron. Like I'm going, I'm going to, um, you know, whoever your rep is, say you're like, you're sponsored by Nike. Like I'm going to Nike and be like, all right, well, I want all of them in a commercial. I want Sidney yes. Crosby in a commercial with LeBron. Like I want Sidney Crosby in a commercial with uh, uh, Bryce, uh, what's the name of the baseball player? Bryce Harper. Uh, yeah. Bryce Harper. Like I would try to get them with the other big athletes just so they could be seen the old time Canadian guys are hating this idea yeah. so much. I, They're like, no, I'm with you. <laughs> One of the things I remember, uh, there was, I get in the soccer around world cup time. And uh, I remember listening to one of the soccer analysts talk about the team USA. And if, you know, USA soccer uh, could just like do what you're talking about with the NHL, 
with all of the athletes that we have in the U.S., like we'd have a dominant soccer team. Nobody would be able to play with us. The thing is, is everybody wants to play basketball, football, and baseball. I feel it's the exact same way with hockey. If you can get some of these athletes that are, you know, just freaks of nature and teach them how to skate. But that's the problem you, is it's, and, it's right, too like, random to play ice too, hockey. Yeah. Like, and, but that's to yeah. his point. I, yeah. I, you think that Canada is dominant right now. Imagine if we got some of these athletes oh that we God. have in the U.S. Yeah. Oh. playing, you know, playing. Um, imagine Antonio Brown on ice skates. Imagine, <laughs> right. you know, like, you know, as a speed, you know, as a, as right. a speed winger. Or, you know, imagine you as a power yeah, forward or a yeah, defenseman. Yeah. I mean, like, that. that's the thing. Like, it's so expensive right now. And I think you're right. The, the first thing they have to do is figure out a way to cut the cost. Yeah. It has to be more accessible. And I think they're doing, you know, they're doing good by, they signed a contract with TNT and ESPN. That's a huge step. You know, they hired Gretzky. I forget who else they hired for analysts. So they're kind of going the route of the, the TNT, the NBA inside the NBA yeah. crew. They want to have like different guys and, you know, different, uh, mentalities, different, uh, you know, swag I wouldn't mind on them that. keeping Char- Charles Barkley and uh, Shaquille oh my God, right. dude. For, yes. for hockey. And you know, like yeah. so much fun, you know, <laughs> right, like, right. They don't have to know a lot about the game. Have Gretzky and but somebody and like Elliot Friedman for when that. You, yeah. like, when or, you watch an NFL broadcast or if you watch a, a, a post game show, you have people that you grew up watching and knowing in NHL. They're like, Hey, here's this third line yeah. uh, winger that Kevin BX. Yeah. And, like that yeah. you've never heard of. And, yeah. and, and as a casual viewer, if a casual viewer turns on the TV and they see like Timu Solani, Wayne Gretzky, yeah. they, they're probably going to be more enticed mm-hmm. to, to stick around and hear what those guys have to say. I, I mean, I hate to say it, but even like, like a Paul Bizonette, like somebody Any, yeah, like, that has got some character that, and who has, yeah. Yeah, who can have some I was fun. saying Jerome McGinley, yeah. and, and, the, and that is one thing, like when it, it is what it is, but when you have uh, players that, that aren't white and aren't Canadian, you have to promote those guys as well, because if I see a Jerome McGinley, I'm like, Wait a minute, that dude's a Hall of Fame hockey player? Like right. that's cra- that that might want, you know, a young kid from Homestead to get involved yeah. in hockey. Yeah. Right. So, right. you know, I mean, you definitely. have to do that stuff and they don't. You, and you got to get a gritty guy too. I mean, like a Scott Stevens or somebody that sort of just was like gritty back in the day that will keep it real on TV. You know, maybe you'll have to bleep him out. I mean, they Charles Barkley keeps it real. He swears every single time he's on TV. <laughs> like that's all right. Like I want to see that. I know we want to see that. Maybe it's not great for children, but you know, that's that's more authentic to me than you know when a guy you hook just the parents then you hook the children you hook so, the kids yeah. right yeah so i mean i think that they're going to try to go that route i think that's a good first step and you know you know you just have to make it accessible and you have to make it more known that it is a great sport well, Doran, one thing, uh, two things I love about having you on is we can go for hours with you and we could pretty much bring up anything. anything you are like, yeah. you are so knowledgeable in hockey and <laughs> football. Like, business, I mean, it's everything, man. So, yeah. uh, you know, we caught NFL, uh, NHL, high school football today, just in, you know, the 20 minutes, half hour we had you on. So um, always a pleasure being with you, man. Always, always fun having you on. Always a pleasure, guys, and I appreciate it. And honestly, you guys are doing your thing. I'm proud of you guys. You know, you guys are moving up. This is what we need. We need more people like us young fellas in this industry. <laughs> we need, you know, we need to keep doing this. Very proud of you guys. You guys keep killing it. Thanks, Dorn. Right. Thanks for listening to 412 Sports Talk. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. If you like the show, leave us a review. And be sure to tell a friend about your source for all things Pittsburgh sports. Find us on Twitter at MadChad412 and at Eddie underscore P underscore 412.